I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response... Were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Idiots, this is episode 24 of the Top 40 Countdown, Sometimes Being a Mother is Not Enough, with Merit Lemons. This is an interesting one. I talked to uh, Merit. She was doing comedy in the Midwest. Being a mom, trying to make it all work. Uh, it was after uh, it was in the middle of a weekend where her car broke down when she picked me up. It was chaos. We had fun. Um, I know she had moved out to L.A. 
I think right before the pandemic, but I cannot for the life of me find anything active social media wise. And I don't know how else to contact her. So I hope she's okay and maybe just went off the grid and is happier than all of us. Uh, So that's why there's nothing linked for you to follow because I don't really know where to send you. Uh, Everything hasn't had posts in like over two years. So that's scary. Merit, if you're listening to this, let me know you're okay. I hope you're okay. Uh, But here's a conversation that you guys obviously enjoyed. I'm sure a lot of relatability to the working moms out there to women who want to do it all or women who are following their dreams or are in the middle of following their dreams and hoping to have a baby. Uh, yeah. So ah, I wish I had an intro this on such a weird note, but that is what it is. And I, you know, I've been trying to give you guys updates of what I know about everybody. So that's where we are. Uh, but anyways, enjoy the conversation. I hope you like it. Episode 24 in the top 40 episodes of all time countdown. Sometimes being a mother is not enough with Merit Lemons. Hey, idiots. Welcome to Ignorance is Blessed. I'm here with Merit Lemons. Hello. Um, amazing comedian. We're working together. She's featuring for me in Springfield this weekend. Um, by the time this is out, you will have missed the shows, but they're going great. Yeah, right. Um, okay, let's just get into it because I want to ask you about, I don't know, um, being a single mom. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been doing comedy? Um, a little over four years. Yeah. And how yeah. old is your uh, son? He's 10. 10? Oh, oh man. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> You're like, ah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> now it is. It was a little rocky at first. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Like, people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> Were they? Were people like, You're- oh, fuck yeah. Especially my family. Because they're like, you're a mom, you can't... All of it. They just were like, are you that delusional that you're going to do this? Like, at this... You know, they... A lot of people just were very, you know, mean and, like, dream-killing. And were just like, don't you think you should have thought of that before you had a kid? And, like, I I don't know. That's just not how my life worked. So. <laughs> you're like, well, I have a kid and I thought of it now, so... Yeah, and I don't think that life is, like, that simple. Like, I don't... I guess that's great if your life works out in some kind of linear fashion like that. But I don't know many artists who their life does, like... Yeah, we're just, like, everything happened at a specific time when it was supposed to. Oh, I got married and then I had a kid. And then I didn't have any dreams after that. How crazy. Isn't that crazy? What a gift, right? <laughs> no, it's just funny, I think, how people act like it's... Um, well, A, I think it's funny how... If you think about it, nobody would go out for comedy or really anything in entertainment if you were looking at just the raw statistics. Yeah. If you were just looking at like the statistics. Like, what like, are the odds of me being successful? Exactly. Like nobody would go out. So then it's like, why focus on that? Because that then nobody would do it. So it's like you kind of have to have a bit of delusion. Just a drop. Not too much, but just, yeah. just a drop of delusion. You're like, I could do it. <laughs> right. I could be the exception. Something has to push you over the edge because it's true. It isn't logical. It's not a logical plan, but I don't think artists are logical. None of us are. Like we're not, we're passionate driven creatures. And so it's just hard for people that aren't that way to understand your decision making because, you know, it's like, I'm not a banker. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a accountant. Like I don't, look at life like that i just don't yeah about like how can i make enough money to afford this quote milestone or, or make just... everything so risk-free and you know what i mean like yeah and, and everything's so calculated like well that just isn't who i am and i don't and i think that's okay because <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to be to be in this business because nobody yeah nobody would do it if you were looking at the numbers oh absolutely not um did you know before you got into it um, that you wanted to be a comedian? Like, how'd you get into no, comedy? No, not at all. I, I, it came out of nowhere early. And, and it was really weird because once all the pieces came together, it was almost like, I can't believe I didn't come to this conclusion earlier. I oh, can wow. only blame it on my religious upbringing. Really? What kind of, like, what? Like, uh, super Christian? Christian, yeah. Yeah? Were you in a house with a lot of, I don't know, just Christian rules? Yeah, a lot of rules and a lot of like psychological brainwashing, you know, because the the whole Christian model is very um it's religion. It, whether they I mean they come out and admit it or not, they're nobody would like support your dream in entertainment in that world. Like nobody would be like, "Oh yeah, you should be" because they their whole thing is like separate yourself from the world. 
you know, like be different or whatever. So the idea of somebody being like, oh, I feel called to do this. They'll be like, blasphemy. Yeah, they're like, You're, it's not God. So right. it's not a calling. It would be like right up there with me. I mean, for some people, it was right up there with me being like, I feel called to be a porn star. They're like, there's, I mean, I've had people <gasps> be like, there's no way that's possible, you know, that that's your dream because it's evil. Evil? Yeah, to be a comedian. Yeah, my parents had a really hard time with it at first. They're like, telling the truth. <laughs> just the fact that they were like, our daughter is cussing on a stage. Oh really? Yeah, that they were was like, like torn the big up about tipping it. Point. Like, She's a sinner. Yeah. Oh my god. So, yeah. No, I think that really blocked me from seeing what I was good at because mm. I just never even entertained the idea, pun intended, of entertaining. <laughs> I never entertained it, but I've always been a goofball. I've always been the type of person where I'm constantly trying to make the waitress laugh, the cash, like almost like an old man. Like, I oh, the guy who's like, it was terrible. <laughs> and the waitress is like, shut the fuck up and tip me. <laughs> <laughs> I just like found that my whole life that I was constantly trying to make people laugh just for the hell of it. And that combined with the fact that I've always been a writer. And I started to notice at some point in the end of 2013 that I felt like my, a lot of the stuff I would write was a usually comedic no matter how serious i was trying to be there was always jokes in it. yeah like even if i was talking about like my depression or something yeah. it was just like i couldn't help but make it a joke and the other thing i was noticing was all of my stuff that i was writing sounded better read aloud yeah and it was really weird how i made this connection and all of a sudden like i just i had heard about this thing called an open mic because I, <laughs> I listened to stand-up comedy at my day job at the time oh amazing because i got tired of music you know when you're like just tired of just listening to repetitive music. yeah yeah so i was listening to like the sklar brothers and like maria bamford and i just i didn't even know i liked stand-up comedy until i started listening to that stuff and oh, wow it was really weird how it all kind of came together and i was like um i don't know i just it just all made sense one day because i i remember them talking about in their their material about this thing called open mic so i googled it and i found stanford and sons which is like my hometown club and so i just went up and and did a set and i was terrible but i had this like gut feeling as an artist like i've done i've done a lot of stuff and i've been really shitty at it and some stuff i've been really good at so i know when i start something if i have potential because i know what it's like yeah, to yeah. know that you could take all the ballerina classes in the world. I'm never going to be a ballerina. Yeah. Like it's not happening. I'm yeah. not getting into Juilliard, but I felt it. Like I was like, there's something here and I, yeah. and I sucked for like a really long time <laughs> and I knew it. And I was like, it's but, good that, you know, a lot of people don't know that when we, when we start, we suck. Some people are like, I'm a star or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like what made me realize how bad I sucked was when I, I had my first good set like six months in and then you're like, Oh, this is how this feels <laughs> like this. Whole the time. laughter. Like this whole time, I've been like so much worse than I could have ever imagined. You're like, there's the dragon I didn't know I was chasing. <laughs> exactly. You're like, thank God that happened. I was one month away from becoming a spoken word poet. Right. Like, I'll just be a silly poet. No, but I do remember the first time I heard like the roar of laughter, like in unison. I, I'll never forget it because I called uh, this friend of mine. Um, actually, I think it was like West Van Horn. And I was <laughs> like, I called him and I'm like, uh, I made him all laugh. At once. And he was and like, like, yeah, that's yeah, what you're that's... supposed to do. <laughs> he's like, what have you been doing the rest of the time? And you're like, I don't want to talk about it. Right, exactly. The important thing is, is that I did it tonight. And I'm going to do it again. <laughs> if it kills me. But like, like Christmas like night or whatever, Christmas Eve. Like, I just remember feeling like a little kid the first time that happened. That was like, oh, my God, this this is what I love. This is what I wanted. This is what I want to do. Yeah. So. Amazing. Was that... Uh, as a parent and stuff? Because you were a single parent when you got into it. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was like six, I think, when I started. Did you have to, um, did you have to like come out as an artist and, and be like, listen, I'm going to be trying to do this stuff to your family? Or because I imagine you had to get people to well, help watch you watch him and stuff. <laughs> or did you drag him to open mics with you? No, I wish. Like my mom did to me with AA meetings. <laughs> right. No, he's on the car. Um, he's <laughs> fine. No, I uh, I did. I did have to have my parents. And that was difficult because they were not on board. And they were very vocal and very discouraging and very like just so every time like I would go out to a show like I my dad, especially he's no longer on this earth. But I always joke. And it's not a joke that I can handle any heckler because my dad was the worst heckler. Oh, wow. Like, as a person, that's what he was, like a heckler. And I just, every time I would go out for a gig, he would make it very clear to me that he was not happy about my choices in life and that, like, we'll watch your kid, but we think that you're a fuck-up. Like You're like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, anyway, I got a show, so... Uh, like, <laughs> thanks for supporting my dream. Right? And so, yeah, it was a lot of that. It was, I mean, it still is yeah, a guilt-ridden endeavor because it... 
you do. You have to make huge sacrifices as a parent, and especially as a single parent. And I, all I can really tell you is that I try to make every moment count. And that the nights that I'm sitting there in open mic and I'm waiting to go up because I'm trying to work on something and the line gets long and I'm about to bail, I usually stick around because I think I already like didn't get to spend time one. with my son tonight. And if yeah. I bail now, I've really wasted this night. Then it's like you didn't even work on anything. Yeah. And so I, it's what pushes me past on the times when I want to throw in the towel because I feel like I owe it to him to make my time count. Like yeah. when I'm out like doing stuff and like actually, so it's that's all I know to do is just to make and to not dick around. You know, I I make la- jokes on stage, but I try to take my career seriously because yeah. I'm not in it for a hobby. Like yeah, you don't want to just be like the person who's socializing and not really advancing. And yeah, do you get a lot of either outside or like internalized guilt of oh I should be. <laughs> yes internal probably now people have kind of calmed down like i don't get as much shit talking now that i've committed to it and i think the people the closest to me can tell it's not a phase like, yeah they're not you're not just like on a whim in a manic episode like i'm gonna do comedy i'm an artist right like i'm gonna run a marathon <laughs> you're like oh she's she's still at it yeah so people have become and and you know what's funny is that i mean anytime you stick to something and you push past that point of like people talking shit eventually the people that are talking shit and uh, I mean, it's cheesy, but sometimes they end up being your biggest fan. Because, yeah, because they're like, oh, wow, you really stuck to it. Yeah. And they feel stupid for having doubted you all those times, I think. And it's weird how it turns on its head like that. But if you can push past. And then the other thing that's cool is every once in a while, people are like, you really inspire me. And that just doesn't even occur to me that what I'm doing might inspire somebody else to do the same thing. But that's badass. Like, yeah, because that's what inspired me to do it. Like, it's just so, seeing other listening to comedy and and hearing people's stories of like, especially like Maria Vanford. I don't know if it's just because she's from the Midwest and she has like mental health issues, I love but her. like just that kind of shit like inspired me so much that like maybe flying your freak flag is what the world needs. <laughs> yeah, just like just be the most authentically yourself. That the world is like hungry for that. Like people yeah. who are just people want to feel like well, because there's so much. I mean, that's what I love about Maria Bamford talking about her mental health stuff. And like anytime I hear people talking openly about their quirks or just their things that are quote perceived as like, oh, that's a thing that you like just keep tucked in. You don't like talking. Uh-huh. You know, put a smile on and every everything's okay and you're doing well. I, I just it makes people feel okay with not being okay. This <laughs> cookie. Well, because we're all taught to like try to be this cookie cutter of a human uh-huh. that doesn't exist. And you're like, oh, I'm just supposed to be what, a perfect, the like picturesque single mom with a like a superhero cape on. And or like, pretend like I'm not a single mom usually is what I'm trying to do because that's yeah <laughs> more of a but it doesn't work. I don't I don't even realize how much the world notices because I've never been married. So I don't and I don't I mean, I mean, respect to your marriage. I just it's just not something that I sit around dreaming about. So I don't pay attention to people's hands. Like if they're married, if they're not, it's I just literally don't even notice. You I'm don't sorry, think guys. about it. Yeah. I, unless you have a really cool ring because I, I like jewelry, but I don't give a shit about people's relationship status. But other people do because some people put that's they're constantly I can tell people will say things to me. And I'm like, how would you know as a single mom? Yeah. And I'm like, I guess people make a lot of assumptions when you're with a kid and you don't have a ring on your finger. But it's that's so wildly inappropriate it's so interesting too that like we still live in a time where <laughs> right you'd think that like by now that'd be so normalized <laughs> i mean there's women who like just who, there's women who want kids and have artificial insemination and want nothing to do with a man and then there's like so many single moms like divorces men leaving people dying yeah is that what that's what happened to you yeah <laughs> how old how old was your son he was 18 months oh, and gosh. we weren't married so it, were you it, still were you together no we were not together and we hadn't talked in a while um you know it was just one of those situations where you know i was dating somebody and it wasn't serious and then i got pregnant and then it and just, then you're like i guess we're in this together now yeah and he kind of dropped off the planet and then like men will do anything to get out of being a dad i swear to god they don't well <laughs> just probably shouldn't say anything bad because i don't want my son to hear this one day because my son is a wonderful person, so I don't want him of to course. Ever, ever like think anything bad like about his dad or anything. But yeah, he was not involved like from the get go. And I honestly, it's I wasn't bitter about that part. You know, I think what what made me bitter is probably just being a single mom. And I've struggled. I'm a lot better now. But the first few years, like I was pretty just bitter towards the world because I felt like it's so hard stuck with a kid alone, like in the world, you know, and I'm like 26 and I never thought like. Like, this isn't how I pictured things no, going. not at all. And it's very humbling. And But then, I, at the same time, like, I just refuse to be a victim about anything in my life. Yeah. Like, I refuse to live in that place where woe is me, because it doesn't get you anywhere. No, you just, it becomes a cycle. 
where right. you're just spinning around like how sad this is, which it, it is sad. And it's fucked that like, especially all the like people who are so staunchly pro-life, like Christian people mm-hmm. are not helping. They're not doing anything to help single mothers or like these people that they're like, how could you ever not keep your baby? And then it's like, you're on your own, bitch. Oh, that's the irony of <laughs> they're like, oh, welfare. Don't get on that either. And it's like, well, cool. Are you going to personally donate to raise my child? Right. That you didn't want me to get rid of? Like, no, it's true. They're usually politically all of those type of people are anti any government support, which is so ironic to me because 90 percent or I don't probably higher of that like, support goes literally to women with children. Ugh. like all of that it doesn't go like it's so hard to get food stamps as a single guy it's not people just like bleaching up no, the system they're literally feeding their children like and and the world is like you just want a handout and they're like i'm my child is starving yeah you're like my kid's dying like can we just <laughs> i mean i was on food stamps one time in my life and then like and i just think it's funny because it's so humbling people have no idea like that when you do it it's because you're doing it on your child's behalf you're, you're like, like nobody wants to hit the point where they're like I have to sign up for government help. Yeah. Like nobody wants to be that person. And it's a pain in the ass. That's why it's so funny when people have never had it. I mean, do you have any idea what a pain in the ass is? Yeah, you don't just like click a button and you're signed up for food stamps. They like make you go through a rigmarole to make sure that you're not trying to fuck the system. Yeah, and you have to go and explain your whole life story to these like random people. Like it's not simple and it is is, is lengthy. It is time consuming. It's humiliating because you have to tell like a stranger like your life story because they have to And then you have to wonder if they're just going to be like, "Mm, not good enough. Exactly, not poor enough. Now you know all of my things and I'm not kidding. exactly and that happens sometimes too so it's it's just funny that the world is that way but yeah i was raised very religiously so i think that is why what played into yeah my bitterness and my resentment towards the world but then it was like one day i was like i woke up and i'm like i don't have to be the person i was raised to be like yeah and that's like a weird thing there's like a bob dylan quote that i love and i'm i think it goes something like Sometimes we're born to the wrong parents or, you know, something along those lines. I've never heard that, but it's, I, I resonate a lot with that where it's like, you know, it's great if you're born into a family and you totally resonate with their values and they're, and that's just great. But sometimes we don't, sometimes we're born into a family where like our struggle is transcending that and like, and like reinventing ourselves in a way that's authentic and like being given the freedom to be who we are because that wasn't a part of our upbringing. Like, following your dreams was just not a part of my upbringing i i mean i'm wow. sorry my mom's a wonderful lady but that was not the message that it was it like you are you grow up and you become a christian stepford wife and like it was play it safe that was the message play yeah. it safe like just fit in just go it's, with the flow it's so true i mean i my mom jokes about the fact that i'm the black sheep of the family well she calls it she's like Me you're too. the tie-dye sheep tie-dye like sheep. that's because I'm, I'm such a like because my mom is crazy and i'm such a hippie and she's like you're just like the tie-dye sheep so i'm at least lucky that she has a sense of humor about the fact that she's like well we're not gonna change you but yeah no it's i mean fucking good riddance not good riddance but like good, i mean good for people who grow up and they're like this is who i am and i yeah. fit right in because it seems less stressful because then you don't have to feel like on top of everything else you're letting everyone down by being yourself yeah that is definitely how i've felt in my life at times i mean i think i'm past that point but i've definitely felt like that because of how upset my parents were when i started comedy and also how like i hate using these terms because but like how meant to be it felt like it yeah. felt so meant to be like, serendipitous it was because i kept having good luck like strokes of luck and i can tell you that before i started comedy a lot of the things i did i would constantly feel like i had such bad luck at i couldn't catch a break and comedy just like continued to be not easy don't no, don't get me wrong it wasn't that but i felt the flow like i felt like, there were just enough things coming in that you go, oh, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah, exactly. That I felt it, it just felt right all the time. And so I just, you know, and there's been a lot of times that I have thought about giving up for my son's sake because I felt like, is this selfish that I'm doing this and it's time consuming and everything. But every time I think about throwing in the towel, I don't because of him, because I think to myself, this is a bad example to show my son, someone giving up on their dreams. That is far more damaging to him yeah maybe me not being able to be to every single event and me having to you know rely on the help of others like maybe you know him seeing me follow my dreams against like obstacles is far more powerful in the long run i think so because i think a lot of a lot of people end up there are a lot of artistic people that end up never exploring it and they end up miserable in their day job well because because they're no we don't 
most kids aren't taught to follow their dreams. Like, how, rarely is a parent like, yeah, lean into that. Like, oh, oh you right? love to paint? Let's paint some more. They're like, all right, well, enough painting. Learn how to be an accountant. It's true. But have so having someone that encourages you to like lean into the thing to you love. To take that risk, because it's a risk. And like, letting him know that that's okay for you to go for something that you're like, I don't know if it's going to work out, but I feel it in my body and we're all going to die one day. So obviously you wouldn't just say that to your kid. We're all going to die one day. <laughs> I don't day. know. We, we so, have some pretty con- candid go. conversations about death uh, <laughs> that make us freaks, I'm sure, to some people. Yeah, they're like, geez. Like, this is our life. <laughs> and one day it's all going to end and that's probably it. <laughs> it's true we talk we talk very frankly about but it's you know because i've lost my father and he's lost his father and that's not really something you think about bonding with your kid on but But it happened it happened and i don't again you know i've just i don't know if it's my personality or just you know i got tired of being sad but i try not to like sit around being bummed out because the reality is and i'm sure most people i don't it doesn't matter where you come from most people experience suffering and if you want to you can sit around and be sad about shit all fucking day like most of us can like yeah it's easy to like there's all kinds of stuff bathe to in sad it, about. but it's at some point you know yeah. life's going on are you gonna are you gonna go on with it or are you gonna keep and live in like yeah you're and enjoy what you have you know yeah because who knows who knows <laughs> right bum, bum, bum. sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> just welcome back to the suicide hour right? um no so your son he's 10 now so is he like aware that you're a comedian yeah what does that mean to him does he know any of your comedy or is he like oh my god does he think you're like maybe the youtube stars he watches or something <laughs> all of it yeah all of it is so pretty funny. hilarious honestly his understanding of it is pretty comical because he will ask a lot are you famous and i'm like no not not yet i'll be like not yet and he's like really are you sure because i saw you on tv yeah because my mom had like shown him because i've been on most of the local tv stations in kansas city so my mom will like show him clips and i'm like i have to explain to him like that's local tv like the only people who watch it are like the elderly you're probably like <laughs> a local celeb though we forget stuff like that that it's all relative because we have this big picture of like right like well i'm not maria bamford mm-hmm. so i'm not famous I'm but shit. yeah but there's some people i mean the first time i was on the news in my hometown people went crazy they were like oh my god right you're on ktva <laughs> Oh my, they're like recording and posting pictures. And I was like, oh yeah, this is a big deal. And then I think of, oh, before I got into entertainment, I thought the newscasters were famous. I was like, Maria Downey, the like local newscaster. (laughs) But the thing that's funny to me is that I don't know how he knows my comedy. I don't know if it's from just him hearing me like listen to my own sets on my laptop. On YouTube. Yeah, but he will like do my opener. He can like literally, like one day he did and i was like my jaw like just dropped i'm like how do you know all of that oh no does that scare you are a you a little like, bit like do you write jokes about him yes are you like i don't want you to hear me being like my fucking kid i like quit telling it because it's like it well plus i just it was like a joke one of the first jokes i ever wrote so i guess i'm just like it's not even that good but he heard the joke it goes uh so i have an std uh, he's 10. <laughs> his name's Mike. Uh, <laughs> and he's that's so funny for kid. He's a great kid and like blah, blah, blah. And so he like tells it, but he doesn't know what an STD is. Oh, no. He's going to learn that one day and be like, wait a second. I'm like, you need to quit telling that. I'm like, oh my God, he's like getting close to uh, like health class age too. Or he, oh, he totally is. It's like any day now he's going to learn about gonorrhea out. in a physical education Mom, class with a slide liken me to chlamydia I'm like, You're like no chlamydia you can get rid of with a pill <laughs> <laughs> right no likened you to something much more serious but it, it is funny because he's definitely he he loves it like he's he very proud it. of me and he which like that's great it is i'm really lucky that he's so he is truly supportive as cheesy as that sounds like talking about your child like that but he is supportive and he's like me He's totally like me. Like he started like recently my favorite thing that he does. I uh back like backstory, we were at Target one night and this like creepy guy was like following us around. You Ugh. know when you're like shopping and you're like that's oh you're looking for light bulbs too? Like oh and toothpaste and okay. And tampons? What's going on? Sarah? Yeah, right. And so finally this like weird guy like he's like, "Oh, hey, miss." And I was like, "Yes, I'm in front of my kid the whole time, right?" And he's like, Miss, uh, do you uh, happen to know where the singles hang out in this town? I'm new. 
into town or whatever. Like you're with a kid. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And so I just look at him and I'm just Not Target. I know, right? I'm like, I don't know anything about being single, which is a complete lie. Anyone who knows me. you're like- could write a fucking novel on being single but so then after that my son like thinks it's so funny so he will call and leave voicemails he'll be like excuse me miss he will he'll go hey mom uh, i got a question for you do you know where the singles hang out in this town <laughs> that's so <laughs> funny that's so funny i'm being like pranked by my son oh my god hey mom i got a question for you you know the singles hang out in this town that's amazing it's like i'm like oh my god you're me oh you're oh no what have i done i don't because it's like bittersweet because part of me is like you're like don't be like me right <laughs> i like don't don't be like me. <laughs> like no <laughs> but you are so oh that's really cute so he's obviously got a sense of humor um okay so you work you also work in interior design right mm-hmm. yeah I have a degree. how's that that's your you studied that right i do yeah i have a degree actually a bachelor's from the art institute of colorado art institute of colorado did you at some point when you were getting that degree were you thinking i'll be an interior designer forever no i, I actually was having like second thoughts almost immediately the entire time you're like yeah but i don't know what else to do and yeah you know, my game plan from the get-go which funny you know how sometimes you look back and you're like hey 18 year old me wasn't a complete fucking idiot yeah like i had a couple good ideas and like one of them was that i well at that time i wanted to be a novelist or and i wanted to be wow. in, somehow i just knew that i wanted to like write stories of some kind or do something like that you puts, wanted to be Ernest hemingway just alcoholic Probably. but with a really well put together home yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and i so i saw design as a vehicle to my dreams because i thought i want I just always knew the things I wanted to do, whether it was being a novelist or making a movie, that's another one of my big dreams, is that they were long-term goals. And they yeah. were not um, something... You needed, like, a means to get there. Exactly. And I knew that from a young age that I... And plus being raised in, like, a really shitty family, um, I, from a very young age, as a, I wanted to be financially independent, which is... Yeah. That You're like, give me the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. I like, 13, I don't know that that's normal, but I was literally trying to get jobs because... Same. I was, as soon as I was old Financial enough to work, I was like, I hit the streets. Yeah, I was no, like, I do not want to rely on you. I went to every business and I was like, how can I work here? Me too. My first job was at a state farm insurance answering phones. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> I was like, do you need help? <laughs> right? I was... My first job Are was... Are you like, really a good neighbor? <laughs> Right. <laughs> what was your first job? A soccer referee. <gasps> I refed all really? through all through high school. Yeah, and I coached. I coached um, U eight and U six teams. Every I would work at a fast food restaurant, and then I would take a two hour lunch break and ride my bike that had one it. of those. Okay, one of those kid carts on the back, but oh, it was full yeah. of soccer balls. Oh my god, I love this story. Over to the soccer field, yell at a bunch of kids, and be like, "Work harder!" And then ride back and finish my shift at a Carl's Jr. that I took way too seriously. Oh I was like, god. "I'm trying to, I'm trying to wake, work my way up to management. I'm not giving anyone free fries." Like, <laughs> <laughs> you will call me boss lady. <laughs> yeah, I'm in charge here, at Carl's Jr. Nobody gets a break as I'm just stealing free shakes. I'm like, this is my free meal did you like walk by the like fry thing and be like crispier crispier. harder it's beeping i hear it work faster drive through times and it's just for what i for some reason at that age i thought that every like any job you applied for would reference every job you'd ever had in your life it was the same thing i got a bad grade on an assignment in second grade once and i was like i'll never get into harvard now (laughs) everyone will know i'm a fool i've wasted my life and by the way, no one ever, like, in the course of me crying was like, that's not a thing. They were just like, well, you know, just do better next time. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I was like, fuck you guys. I cried over a drawing? That's bullshit. <sighs> okay, so you're in interior design now. But yeah, so I yeah, I got a degree to try to use my skills to make a dependable living. And that was why I went into design. So I almost instantly was, like, questioning it when I got into school because I've I always like worried that I was too creative for interior design and I was too, you know, you kind of got to like follow the there's sort. I'm sure there's like some sort of method to it. When I look at, I look at design Instagrams all the time and I'm like, these are great, but they're all really similar. Yeah. It's, it's funny because it's like any other artistic field in that you can take two roads. You can be the best of the normals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the most basic bitch and like you just be really good formula, at formula kind of, or you become a trendsetter and that is a much more difficult road, but in my opinion, it's more rewarding and oh, yeah. design is much like that where you can either just like 
copy other people and just be good at copying other people or you take risks and put something new into the world. But there's certainly principles and elements. And I, I truly do love design. I don't think I would have finished my degree if I didn't, but I just was questioning where, like if I fit into the industry, I think that was what was hard for me when I was young is that I did not feel like I fit into that industry because it's so, um, I mean, there's parts of it that, are, that feel kind of smug, you know, in interior like design. Like pretentious a little? Yeah, exactly. felt like the Tanya Harding of interior design. Oh my <laughs> God. I am not joking. I've said that. What? That's so funny. Like, word for word. Yeah. That is really? so weird you say that. Well, I felt like that in so many things in my life where I was like, oh, I'm the white trash outlier. I know that is. I'm the Tanya Harding of my sorority. I totally <laughs> feel like the Tanya Harding of interior design because there's been so many times too, even as like, and you know, in this field where I felt like straight the fuck up, I was being judged by the fact that I don't come from wealth. It's as simple as that. I can remember like early on in my career, like pulling up to people's houses and not having a nice car and feeling judged. And it, I mean res- like, how's she going to know how to design my exactly. house? Exactly. And I resented that whole idea that like it had anything to do with wealth. It's like, fuck you. I'm talented. And like I have an eye. Yeah. And I have a degree like that. I yeah. worked very hard for that. Most people like we had the highest dropout rate in our program because it was so hard. Yeah. And it was so demanding. And I'm like, but people are like, why aren't you in a Mercedes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you don't have a Kate Spade purse. Like, what do you know? I'm like, I, I don't need one to know what I'm doing. And like a lot of times, like I hate to say it, but a lot of times the women judging me haven't like ever worked for a living. So they have no concept of what it's like to survive, to have a career. They, oh don't, they don't have a career. They don't have a marketable skill. So they don't even know what it's like to work day in and day out. Every time my friends were out at the bar, getting laid, getting drunk, I was at home sitting at my table drafting, Draft. not exaggerating. Like God. night after night, year after year that I, you know, and now, now I go out and I get drunk, but like, I, like that's cause I know what I'm doing. Right. But in my twenties, I gave up so much to do it. I gave up so much to be not only have the degree I have, but to be a single working mom. And so I just, yeah, there was a time that I was very bitter about that and I did not feel like I fit in. So I kind of like was like, I don't know if this is for me. And I took a pause break for a couple years and I found that, uh, a, I missed doing design and B, there's other jobs out there and like not everyone's a piece of shit. Yeah. Like you just finding <laughs> the right niche in that field. And I love that you said the Tanya Harding thing. I always felt about comedy. A lot of the women I meet, I'm like, Oh, we're all like comedy's a place where like, we're all a bunch of Tanya Hardings right? in our own way. But it's like, Oh, most of us come from a fucked up. Oh yeah. No, like, cause, cause you have to have like a fight in you. I think to be a comedian, there has yeah. to be, and I don't mean that like you have to be hostile, but I think I've found that there's two types of women that end up in comedy. There's the athletic and the dramatic, and I'm both. Yeah, <laughs> and I was yeah. never that good of an athlete, but I was always an athlete. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was on every team, and people were like, "How why?" Like there how were why? <laughs> there were teams I was on, and the coach was like, "I should give this spot to somebody else," but I really like your attitude. Right? <laughs> I was like, I was on a varsity <laughs> softball team, and he's like, "You know how to keep score?" <laughs> like, I literally did nothing. I was on the bench for my hockey team. I was good at one sport, and I played seven. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, I was like, soccer was the one sport I could play, and then. For some reason, I was on the basketball team, and I was on, I was a cheerleader, and they're like, your moves oh, yeah. aren't that great, but you got a lot of spirit. Hell yeah. <laughs> your boobs aren't that. You have great boobs. I said moves, but also boobs. Uh, no, I was, uh, I played soccer and basketball, and I ran cross country, and I don't know that I was really good at, like, any of them, especially, but I just didn't suck, so I yeah. just, like, made it through, like, the, like, that, yeah, uh, that you gate. were just good enough to get. I feel like I practiced dummy a lot at some point. I was like, I'm just here because the varsity team needs Needs someone to dunk on. Yes. They don't have to worry about me like twisting my ankle for the big game. Yeah. Like in case everyone else dies, I'm on the bench waiting. Right. (laughs) Like if literally every person on the team got taken out and they're like, you're in. (laughs) I know, right? That was my my junior year of high school. Uh, our girls hockey team were state champions but we were up by like four points and there was 20 seconds left in the game and like the first string was coming off the ice and then like the coach held back the second string me and these two other girls who are two of the funniest women i've ever fucking met one of them actually she lives in seattle she's gotten into comedy since like in the last like four oh, years awesome. um he's like ah hell get out there girls <laughs> right and we're just out there like barely skating like idiots and so when the buzzer went off and we won state championship we we're on the ice and it's like uh that's, that's just really funny so funny that we have that similarity but no you gotta have i think you gotta have some fight to be in comedy like we we're i think we were talking about the the other day like how you just you have to push past so many times in this business because you just have to keep going because there's gonna be moments where you're like fuck i didn't get this i didn't do that I just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. It's it's an endurance. I mean, like not to be so cliche, but 
It it's is. a marathon, not a sprint. It totally is because think about in in I mean I'm sure you you know you start in LA and I'm sure you see it more than I do in Kansas City. But people who start and they like have a strong start and then they burn out and you yeah, don't even like, they get opportunities too soon or like right they're they're they, and they don't even know why yeah or they just like quit and you're like where'd they go what exactly happened? there's some people who are like I forget that they aren't in the scene anymore and like. They're so funny and they just went away. Yeah. My friend Buddy burnt out and I was like, you were the funniest one of that group of friends that I started with. And, right. Where'd and you go? He's like, why did you quit? And he's like, I got a great job producing. And <laughs> I became a, but now he, now he's been a previous guest. So anyone listening knows, but now he's like trying to get back into it, but he feels all insecure because it's been so many years. He's like, everyone else moved on and huh. I have to go back to open mics. And I'm like, yeah, well it is. It's all in the stamina. It's you got it because it's it's one of those things where I hate to say it, but it's it's kind of like a working out, you know, if like you don't yeah use it, you lose it. Yeah, it's like you got to get back in shape. Yeah, now you're now you're obese and you lost your six pack. You got to figure Seriously, out where it like, is. Like I miss like five days in a row, and I get on stage and I feel like an out of shape wrestler. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like, to I'm the point around. I'm like, to the point when I have a night off, I'm like ah, and I need nights off. I've had to like force yeah, myself to, to take them, but I get. If I go like two, three days, I start, I get crazy. Oh, I do. T- I've been like, ta- I go talk to myself too much. I'm like, yeah, Whoa. I'm slipping. <laughs> I'm like sanity. Um, okay. So goal wise, like what is your next? Cause you're working full-time interior design and uh, doing comedy pretty regularly uh, from Kansas city. You do a lot of the Midwest stuff. Just mm-hmm. get on the road whenever you can. I do. Um, thinking about making the big move. Yeah, it's that's pretty much what all my energy has been about this year. It's kind of, you know, it's funny because like, I don't know if it's this way for other people, but like this last year, I feel like I've had to take a couple steps back to take like 100 steps forward. Yeah. You know, that you you realize like maybe you have to rethink your plan or redraft your what you know, your strategy and. I, you know, like most stupid people was like, I'll move out to L.A. when I have a deal or, you know, and then it just kind of occurred to me that, A, I'm never going to stop wanting to move to L.A. Like, that's never going to end. You're like, the deal's probably not going to find you in Kansas City. Exactly. And the odds of that are so. They're not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So it's. I just was like, okay, so even if it takes me a year or two years, this is what I'm doing. And so that's my plan. So, yeah, I want to just transfer, honestly, to the company I'm working for now because they have a branch there. Yeah, in West Hollywood. So I'm just going to wait till the transfer opens up and just do and it. just leave. Have you expressed that to your company? Like if there's yeah. a transfer there, yeah. I'd like to go. <laughs> How do they feel? Are they supportive? Yeah, they because a lot of people, I think, in that company have moved around with it. So they're just like, you do still you, the company. You're still making money yeah. for us. So and they and I have to say of all the jobs I've had in my field, it's probably why I'm like able to do design during the day and comedy at night is because they're so supportive. They yeah. literally are like, we just love that you're a comedian. There's so many nights where we're closing and they let me leave early because I have a show to go to. Oh, that's so great. And I I was so worried when I took that job because sometimes people are very resentful when you work in a normal job and you have like a side like dream or some other thing where they, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, Oh, you think that's important? Cause they just clock out and go to happy hour and go home. Yeah. And, but I, I've been really impressed that everybody I work with is not like that at all. Like they're just so supportive and they're like, Oh, you got a show tonight. Like we'll get out here early. So like you can, you know, and like, that's the, awesome. it's so cool. Like, so, and then they ask like how my shows go. So I know that, um, no, I, I see, so yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for the timing on that. And then, um, I think, and I told you as I'm recording my first album in Yay. June. June? So, yep, on June 16th. I'm, and then I don't know how long it's going to take to release yeah, it. Yeah, well, you'll have to let me know so I can let everyone listening know how to go find it. Yep, so that's my first, yeah, album recording. Do you have, that's so exciting. It is. Uh, I'm excited for you. Thanks. Um, does your son know that the eventual plan is to go to California yet? Or yeah. You, yeah, you haven't like sprung, <laughs> you've sprung it on him. You're, you're not going to just be like, pack up, kid, we're leaving tomorrow. No, it's funny you say that. No, because I haven't planted the seed so that he has time to adjust, but he's kind of like me, so he's already like, every day, he's like, so when are we moving? So when are we moving? Oh, that's good, because some kids would be like, don't take me away from my friends. It's yeah. interesting that he's... I know I feel you because I feel like that's part of like why I feel good about it because he's excited about it. He's not like, oh, man, we're moving to Cal. I mean, it's also like you're moving to California. It's not like like my mom moved us from Mississippi to Alaska. I was Ooh. like, you're the devil. You're the devil. Mississippi to Alaska. I was like, I hate you. Why? You're a witch because she got a job there, oh. <laughs> but she drove us there. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. 
in God's name. Why? I like. I was like, I don't even. How long does that take? Oh, we were on the road for like thirteen days. Holy shit! Yeah, because it's just her driving, so you know she would f- fucking pop caffeine pills and drive as far as she could. But oh, mom, uh, <laughs> oh, what a mom. lunatic! <laughs> she drove us on to like a we parked our car on a ferry that took three days, <gasps> which is basically a Greyhound bus on water. Holy um, shit! Just an absolute nightmare. But you know, you do what you got to do. It's like the Oregon Trail. Yeah, no, really, it was. I'm surprised <sighs> you didn't get dysentery. I wish I would have. I wouldn't be here. I'm gonna. <laughs> it's like I've wanted to die since I was in sixth grade. Uh, probably not completely false. Um, All right. So you feel like, are you worried about when you get to LA? Everything. I mean, everything, but I guess specifically the aspect of like not having the support system to help with having a kid. Or you think maybe by then he's going to be old enough and he'll make friends and. Well. Not to sound like a like a victim, but like I already don't have like the best support <laughs> system in kids. I mean, I have my mom, and that's kind, of, and I have some good friends, but that's about it. And yeah. So I don't. I know it sounds. I, I just don't have a, a good family. Like my brothers are not really involved at all in my okay. life, and so I, I'm not leaving much. Is what so I. So you're feel not like. like that worried about it? No, because it's already hard as fuck. Yeah, that's okay. why I feel like it's already hard as fuck, and so it's like at least if it's gonna be hard as fuck, can I be like somewhere where there's there's a chance I could. There's real opportunities, you know, yeah. where I'm I'm brushing shoulders with people that could help me, or at the very least, like right now, I'm just like I just want a hero, like, and right now in my hometown, like I hate to say it, but I just don't have anyone to look up to anymore. So and, you want to go somewhere where like there's other people who have done it bigger that you can kind of you glean from, literally, and not I love, and I, that's what I love about, LA. and I, I don't even mean like someone's time or their. I, I mean, it's great when people can give you referrals and et cetera, et cetera, but I, I literally just like want to be in a real market. Yeah. <laughs> like literally in a real where there is a chance you could get traction and things could take off. Yeah, exactly. Where that's just not the case right now. And it's, you know, and I don't uh, resent the small start because I, I do think you just got to start where you are. It is absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, oh, you're, you just got to start. You do. And in this business, it is never going to be a perfect uh, setup. It's just not. And that's part of the gig is that you accept where you're at, you start where you are, and you use the opportunities that are in front of you. And I feel like that's what I've done in Kansas City for four years is I have, you know, used every opportunity I have to further my craft and just to develop my material and so on and so forth and just become better at being a comedian. And I'm ready, you know, to transplant. I feel like I don't want to be a big fish in a small pond. And that's what I see for people who are serious about comedy. If they stay in a small market, that's all they become. Too long. Yeah. And then you get scared to leave because you're so comfortable. Yeah. And so like, where does jump. that take you? Like, oh, cool. I can be the funniest person at the office. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no no offense. offense to anyone listening. Right. No offense if that's you. Like, like. <laughs> but if you want to be a comedian, that's not your dream. Yeah. Like, that's not where it is. What it is? Do you have a big picture like a end game dream? Yeah. Like, like if you were like the peak this would be the best case scenario yeah i love that you asked that that's funny i honestly i just want to make movies and that's why i got into stand-up is that i started to think like that a stand-up is like the one-man band of the entertainment world yeah like we're the writer the producer we're the lead actor we're the supporting actress we are the sound effects we are this everything people don't think about that I we're, think. The, we're the soundtrack a we great are, way to put it you know the one man band and so i felt like if i can make people laugh for an hour i can make a movie i don't know why i kept thinking that to yeah myself. You're like i'm i can pull this out into a full if i can make me talking funny for an hour i can make a scene filled with people and all these extra things yes. and all this all this effects. assistance exactly all this like budget and like the you know but the simplicity of literally being able to retain people's attention and not just entertain them, but like Have draw them, them in, like give them yeah. an experience, you know yes. what I mean? That they don't forget. And like, if you can do that for an hour, I was like, I could make a movie. And I, and then I also felt like being a stand up comedian was a great, um, just, you know, a door into the entertainment industry as a solo artist. Cause I just, mm-hmm. I'm not a team, not that I'm not a team player. Like, but I just, <laughs> I don't you know. There's some people that just, they, they march the beat of their own drum. And I just like, I, you feel like that's you. Yes. Yeah, me. I'm not, I see people, I love improv, but it's just not me. Like, I'm just not, like, I don't want to work with a team. I, yeah. I don't want to rely on you to keep the scene going. I don't, I, my, my problem with, I love improv. I have too many trust issues to regularly do improv. I like, don't trust anyone's oh going to, God, me either. people aren't going to flop. No, I'm the same way. Or like, I just think humor is so subjective. So sometimes like, 
I'll see something. I'm like, I don't really think what that person is doing is funny. And I would be like, and you're like, um, that's a bad idea. Scratch that. <laughs> Just be negative, like negated on stage. And they're like, you're not supposed to do that. And you're like, well, your idea sucked. <laughs> right. Like it turns into like, that's the funny part is me like reprimanding my teammate on <laughs> like, stage. Just yelling at everyone. <laughs> um, have you written any movie scripts yet? I've written small scripts, like, but not like not anything. Long, like like, I've tried. And then I, it's hard. It is. Yeah. It's to keep the longevity, Focus. but I, have like an outline for the movie I want to make. So That's I've done great. a lot of um, that part. Like, and I've done like spots, like I have, you know, scripts like for this part and this part. And I've drawn a lot of um, storyboards. Oh, great. Um, they're really like probably like poorly executed, but really fast. So yeah, you're doing ton, things. That's great. I have a ton of it like out, like fleshed out on paper, but I'm sure if somebody were to like see it, they were like, you can't submit this to a producer. So I'm sure that it's like, I mean, like a pile of handwritten notes. Like, and you're like, this is my, my magnum opus. <laughs> but I literally have been compiling these notes for like six years. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say this as far as I can tell with my experience and people I've talked to, literally finishing a script is more than half the battle really? that's why there's so much garbage on tv oh. is that it's like yeah there's a million people with better ideas but none of them finish their scripts so like true you just have to like get through it no it's true because it's true because we it's funny how many people in this business like don't have great ideas but they have stamina yeah and they they cannot finish what they they're start. good workers I'm like damn like what's that like yeah it's like that's What's it like to just finish anything? I think it, it, it and it helps if you believe in yourself. I think that's what it is because halfway through or whatever, you're like, you start to doubt yourself and the process and you're like, it feels futile and like, no one's going to like this or you yeah, know what I mean? When you're in the middle of it, you like forget that you're like, no, this is well-crafted. You are a funny person. You get like, oh, fuck it. And you want to like crumple it up and throw it I away. Think, yeah. The creative process, I don't know why, but like you always have that midpoint of total complete doubt it's like almost like you're too close to what you're working on that's hard for you to see outside of yourself yeah you have to push through it that's like something i'm really working on this year is pushing through and finishing yeah because it's easy to get like discouraged when you've been like working on the same thing over and over and no and you feel like and then there's just like all kinds of horror stories so i try to focus on the good stories i've heard in the business focus on the positive people like yeah you can work and work and work and never make it you're like oh good (laughs) can't wait to move there can't wait to get closer to that right um do you think uh long term if everything worked out as well as you hope it will you think you would Stop doing stand-up? You think you're always just stand-up? No. You'll always never stop. Yeah? Never stop stopping? Never stop, never stopping. (laughs) I I think I love it so much. I don't... Yeah, I don't... I just, like... I just have too many ideas for, like, like, uh, full-length movies. Um, I don't want to give too much away. (laughs) Because it actually turns into something... But um, I don't ever see myself stopping doing stand-up because I just have this very... Not to sound like a cheese ball, but I have a very pure love of the craft. Yes. And the ability to i it's so cheesy but i just love bringing together people through laughter in a room yeah yeah no i totally feel it it transcends race it transcends religion it transcends age it transcends politics gender everything when you can like get people to laugh at the same thing it is so fucking cool like yeah it's like a weird it's a like a loving bond that you bring people in a room um okay this is this has been great um where can people find you um, my website's just my name. It's just merit.com. M-A-E-R-E-T.com. Dot com. Okay, you guys go check out Merit. Uh, Thanks for lemons. having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for doing this. We're in our pajamas and we now have to run to do another podcast <laughs> for this uh, comedy club. Um, check her out and uh, I'll let you guys know when, when her album's coming out. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.